Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $25 per room. Minimums apply. Search Zero Res carpet cleaning online to schedule your appointment or call them at 801-288-9376. DJ PK and Matt Harpering joining us now. You see him on the Jazz TV broadcast. Matt, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, question of the morning. The Jazz, right. a really good team, or a legit championship contender? And if they are a championship contender, how many, well, regardless of whether you think they are or not, how many championship contenders are there? How long is the list? What do you think? Uh, it, well, yeah, in my opinion, um, I think the Jazz are contenders. Um, I don't think there's a lot on that list. Um, but what reason, I'm going to throw this back to you, is there a reason why you wouldn't? based on the, the information that we have so far in the first, was it, 21 games. I mean, they beat a lot of good teams. Yeah, they've had some tough losses. But the way they play uh, with the three-point shot and the shooting they can have, as well as the defense, uh, pretty good and pretty good information and data to say that, they, yeah, they, they can beat anyone in this league, in my opinion, um, by doing those, those two things right there. I mean, when you're top five offense and top five defense, you're going to give yourself a chance. I guess since you throw it out there, and I agree with you, but since you asked the question, I have to answer it, that right. the league is based on some superstars, and the superstars are the ones that usually win the title. And, you know, Mitchell, I believe, is an emerging superstar, but at the same time, he doesn't fit the pro- prototype, meaning he's a little on the short side. If he's six 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 seven a la LeBron and Kawhi Leonard or whoever else you want to put in there. Kevin Durant, I guess you could put him in that category also, that if your leader is that small, that it's hard to do. That would be one of my responses. Yeah, I don't know if I believe wholeheartedly in that. You know, I go back with the data and the numbers. I mean, Diamond's putting up great numbers, right? Now, the one thing I'll give you, it's unproven because they have not proven it in a – you know, let's say a Western Conference Finals or an NBA Finals where, you know, let's, let's face it, that's where superstars are made. Um, you know, what else does Donovan need to do uh, really to, to prove it? He's only 24. I mean, he's, he's a young player. He's getting better. Um, Gobert is a superstar in his own right on the defensive end. Um, but a lot of times, you know, a depth of a team, the way they play, uh, I, I think changes how you view Utah, right? And, and yeah, you say, well, they don't have a, a Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James, but you know, collectively, they're they're pretty good. And so when you say, you know, heading into the playoffs, would you rather nine deep or would you rather two deep uh, with some some role players? Um, that's going to be interesting this year because you're right. I, I would say in a game, especially in the late playoff game, in the last two minutes, um, that superstar is a superstar because he can make plays. He can, he can make shots, and you're going to have to have that for sure. But I think Donovan's proven that over time. But if you put him in the right situation, he's pretty darn good too. I guess when uh, when I hear people say the Jazz aren't a championship contender, I think they probably fall into a few groups. Um, I think uh, I, I think they are. I think there's uh, clearly three to five teams that you could label championship contenders. But I think if people exclude the Jazz from their group, then there's a couple groups they fall into. One, uh, they don't watch much Jazz basketball. They live on the other side of the country. and like, of course not those guys. Uh, I think there's another group that says, it's the Lakers. Everybody else, else is kidding themselves. The Lakers are going to do this. I think there's a group of people that believe that. 
Uh, they think the Lakers are going back-to-back, and that's it. I think there's another group of people that says, well, the Lakers are clearly the favorite, but if they, they have two guys to count on, and if they have an injury to either one of them, then the pool of potential champions widens to include the Clippers and whoever comes out of the East. We've seen that. If you come out of the East and the whoever the best team is in the West has an injury, then you're set up. Certainly LeBron's capitalized on that, um, and so did Kawhi Leonard when he was in Toronto. Uh, but they don't widen it to include the, the Jazz or the Nuggets. Uh, I think the other thing the Jazz have going against them is they don't have a lot of playoff experience. Teams that win it have usually... Uh, gone along a path like the Nuggets, where, okay, they're in the second round, they lose in a Game 7. The next year, they're in a conference final. Okay, they're, they're kind of building up to it. They're, there's not a lot of deep playoff experience on this Jazz team, and I think that's another, probably another group would dismiss the Jazz for that. Well, agreed. I mean, the experience is, is definitely an issue, um, but I, I would argue that, you know, if, if an injury happened to the Jazz, if Gobert goes down, uh, that diminishes their contending um, influences right away, right? I mean, it, that's every team. I, I think if an injury happens to any of the top ten teams, uh, that dramatically affects whether they're going to be able to produce, you know, late in, in the playoffs. Um, I don't think the Jazz are immune to that by any means, even though they're they're deep. Um, but on the other side, you know, if you if you look at, you know, LeBron and AD and the Lakers, yeah, they are favorites. They're a really good team. Uh, they won it last year, so why would you not put them on the top? You're supposed to. Um, and I, do they have a better team than the Jazz? I don't know. They haven't played yet, but I, I think they, they definitely have the nod. Um, matchups become the issue in the playoffs, right? And, and how do the teams match up with each other? And you're going to see that throughout, I think, as we always have seen in the playoffs, where you know Lakers might have a better team, but there might be a matchup issue that they just don't play well against. And you know, you, you never know what happens through you know one through eight in the seating. And you know, to me, the, the playoffs becomes who do the Jazz match up best against? Uh, rather than who is the better team overall. I think, collectively speaking, the NBA has the best set of athletes of any of the sports in the world. And with these 6'6 guys who can run, jump, and do all these incredible things. But my thought for you, the way the game is now, as far as the premium on shooting, particularly from behind the line, how much do you value that raw, pure athleticism versus the ability to shoot. The Jazz may not have that raw athletic ability, one through eight or nine, but they've got set six, seven, eight guys who can shoot. And they also have a brilliant coach, right? So you have a great coach that puts their players in, in positions to succeed and play to their advantage. Uh, that certainly helps. Um, yeah, athleticism is great, but you got to have both. I mean, I've seen a lot of athletes come and go that couldn't shoot, and they're, they're in and out of the NBA within a year uh, or two years. Um, athleticism will, will, will certainly put you on the map, but it won't—it's not—it won't sustain you in the NBA. You got to have a skill set, and you know, shooting right now it is tough. If you can't shoot that three, I mean, you know, look at Zion. Zion's a, one of the best athletes we've seen in a, in a generation, and I think he's made one three, and that was against the Jazz. Or, you know, maybe a couple, but. I mean, he's going to have to develop that if he's going to become the star that everyone thinks he's going to become. Athleticism, athleticism gets you to the table, uh, but then you got to produce. I mean, LeBron James right now, what's remarkable about him, he's becoming a better shooter. Um, and his athleticism is still really good, not to where it was 10 years ago, but his shooting has gotten a lot better. So he's, he's kind of transitioned more to a better standstill shooter, a better uh, three-point shooter. He's kind of transitioned his game to where – 
uh, where it was prior. You know, we saw that with Jason Kidd later in his career. Uh, eventually, these five men, you know, and Gobert's going to be different, and that's the, the rebuke I always get. Well, what about Gobert? He's not going to be able to shoot threes. No, but there's only a one Gobert out there. He's, he's the best defensive center in the NBA. Um, if he wasn't, there would be an issue there and because that's the way teams are going. You look at Joel Embiid with the Sixers. He's a three-point shooter. Now, the, the argument there is would you rather him take a three or would you rather him post up if you're the opposing team um, because he is so gifted down low on the box. Uh, Jokic, the Jazz just saw him the other night. I mean, what a phenomenal example of where the NBA is going and what players they're looking for. Um, you know, tall kids, six seven and higher, six six and higher that can shoot and spread the court, um, that have a skill set. You know, you're going to be looked at many, many times if you got it. Matt Harper and join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We were talking about Royce O'Neal. Uh, he's shooting 40, almost 47% from three. It really is remarkable. He's also only taken five shots a game and only four three-pointers. Now, there is that whole thing of diminishing returns. Maybe he's shooting 47% because he's being really selective. But his role has been expanding here for years. Do you see a bigger role for him going forward? Is this a guy who should be looking at taking six or eight threes a game the way Bogey Mitchell and Clarkson and Conley do? Uh, in my opinion, uh, I think it's within the offense. I, I don't think he's going to be a guy like Bogey where he's going to create a shot, you're going to give him the ball, and he's going to handle the pick and roll. I think scout and reports say, you know, who, if anyone, if we had to leave someone open, who is it going to be? And I think they, they kind of choose Royce more than not, and he gets the benefit of getting some open shots. On the other side of that, he's becoming a, a tremendous three-point shooter, and that's his role. And if he keeps doing that, I mean, he's going to get – a lot more accolades as he goes along here, but the shots will come because it becomes, you know, four to five and then becomes six to seven. I don't think you're all of a sudden going to want Royce O'Neal taking 13 shots um, because then I think it's, it's, that's not within what the jazz are trying to do. So I think within his role right now, whereas defensively he's going to go try to stop the best offensive player in the opposing team. And then, you know, offensively, he's going to knock down the catch and shoot. And, you know, we've seen time and time again where he's a good decision maker. And I've seen him this year with handling the basketball and not just not spotting up the shooting, but able to take it off the dribble a little bit and get into the paint and then making the pass out. So I think there is an evolution there. Um, he's gotten better. I think the Jazz found it just a tremendous piece to this team, a huge piece going forward. Um, but I guess the answer to your question, I don't think you go from five or six shots all of a sudden saying, well, if I take 16 shots a game, I'm going to average this because – there's a comfortability factor, too, as players kind of know their role. Like, I knew what I was going to do when I went into a game. If I started taking, you know, 20 shots a game, it just becomes not what I'm used to. And you're just not as comfortable in that role, if that makes sense. So when you look at this team, I think everyone will agree they're better than they were last year. And it's interesting because it's basically the same guys. I mean, yeah, Favors is the one new addition, but obviously he was with the franchise for many, many years. So as I try to boil it down, and there's various, there's several reasons as there usually are, but to me, the most important difference I see is the comfortability factor of Mike Conley that he didn't have this year that he got as, or didn't have last year, I should say, but he got better at it as the season went on. And then this year, picking up where he left off in terms of playing and not thinking about it, just going out and doing what he can do and fitting in. So he's not really worried about where I fit. I know where I fit. So if I look at it and boil it down to one single difference, I believe it's the play of Mike Conley. Could you respond to that? 
Yeah, so I, I agree with you, and I, I think there's a part two to that. Um, I, I think Conley for sure, and I think we saw it in the bubble last year where he's just started getting more comfortable, and I think he started accepting responsibility, started understanding the team and his role, and um, I, I think you're seeing that this year. We mentioned on the broadcast in the Denver game, you know, I, I feel like if you're going to start talking about all-stars, you got to throw Conley into the mix. Uh, he certainly played like it this year. At the time, the Jazz had the best record in the NBA, and if they continue to be up there or happen to have the best time, the best record, then you, you know, my argument, argument would be there should be three Jazzmen. Um, part two, what I would say would be Bogey. You know, Bogey was not in the bubble last year, so I think there's an addition to that. And the Jazz are one shot away from beating Denver in the seven-game series. So, in my opinion, there, I think if Jazz have Bogey in the playoffs in the bubble. I think you have a different outcome, uh, and then who knows what happens going on through the playoffs. But I think you're almost getting, you know, in a sense, a, a free agent back and in bogey this year and add a weapon that they did not have in the bubble. So I think with the renewed Conley um, and then bogey back, they kind of do have a different team in a way, but yet the same. Matt Harpin joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So for all the things that have gone right, and a lot of things have gone right this year, uh, you're never playing perfect basketball. What what do you think they need to improve? You know, I, I think they just need to keep kind of avoiding the, the – I hate to say this because I'm part of it – the media. I mean, just, <laughs> just kind of put it on the back burner and, 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 and let it be noise because as they – as they get higher in the ranks here, you're going to get a lot of naysayers. You're going to get a lot more people talking about you. And, um, and I think that could be obviously poison to a team if you let it get into the locker room. And I think they need to just avoid it. I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. You know, they, they had a tough loss against Denver. Or Denver, uh, Denver played really well. You know, that's going to happen through a long season. Um, I, the Jazz are playing really good basketball right now. In, in fact, they're, they're playing a level of basketball that's, you know, A, fun to watch. I think it is sustainable because uh, they have such great shooting and they're playing unselfish. Uh, defensively, I, they can be a really good defensive team against Denver. I thought, you know, it got exposed a little bit just because uh, they shot the ball, ball so well. But it also, I think they learned that if you come out in the first half and you don't play, um, you know, with the, the thought of, hey, I'm not going to let anything be wide open. Uh, I'm going to play with a little bit of an edge. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have short closeouts. Um, and I think you saw that in the second half where, you know, it's, it's, everything's still a learning curve. So you, you learn from the game and say, we got to play 48 minutes, you know. And, and, but as far as who they are and what they're going to do, I, I think they just keep doing what they're doing. I, I think they get better at their sets. They, they get better at the recognition. Their reads are, are really good this year. And they tune out the outside. Okay, with that tuning out on the outside stuff, you were there for many, many years, so you could speak to it as far as motivational ploys because a couple of weeks ago, led by Shaq, the TNT guys basically say you're not good enough. So how much do you let that use it to be used to your advantage, or is that crap just noise and still block it all out? Yeah, I would go with the noise factor. You know, I did, I did not appreciate that uh, coming from TNT, coming from Shaq. I, I thought it was ill-advised. Um, you know, I, I just thought, you know, what was Shaq, 28, 29, when he first won a championship, and he's getting on Donovan at 24, um, plus coming off a game where he had 36. Uh, you know, it was just, I thought it was a low blow a little bit. A, l- a little bit. And, you know, I think Donovan handled it perfectly. 
uh, you know, in, in the jazz got to be proud of, of the character of this team, you know, from since that has happened, you're not hearing uh, anything out of social or anything really uh, in, in bad terms on the jazz side of things. So I think they're handling it. I think uh, they have a great locker room. I think they have some good leadership in that, in that locker room. And, you know, again, noise is going to be noise. And, and I, I agree is, is, is when you get, people talking about you and you have the best record in the NBA and people look at you a little bit differently than a four or five seed and they say, well, can the jazz handle this? They're going to pick you apart a little bit more. They're going to critique you and the national media will. And that's what I mean by noise. You, you just got to, cause it's going to come down to if you're in the locker room, they're going to eventually get to you and they're going to pick apart your game. And what you can't let happen is force you to get outside of your game. You, you're good on a team because of your role. And if you started getting out of that role, if Gobert starts taking, you know, five 15 foot shots a game because people are saying he can't shoot, that's going to affect the jazz in a negative way. Uh, people just got to keep trusting uh, coach Snyder, the system and playing and, you know, the winds are starting to rack up here and that's an, in the end, that's what speaks for itself. You know, the talent on the court doesn't change with a few exceptions with positive tests, but everything around the game has changed, right? The fans, the travel, they can't leave their room, We had Joe Ingles on, and I asked him, can you even on the road go and get shots up? If you just need half an hour in a gym, how much flexibility is there? And he's like, there are so many rules. You probably could, but it would would take a lot of effort. And so I'm just wondering if you're viewing this season like every other season because they're still the best basketball players in the world on the court, or if all this other stuff, this is really a weird one-off and we shouldn't compare it to anything else that NBA players have gone through in any other season, and it could produce a different result. Yeah, I mean, I have never been in a situation like this. Where I've never played without fans. I, I know that just in that is, is tough. Um, but on the other side, you know, everyone's in it. There's not a team that's not affected by it. So, you know, I go back to Jerry Sloan and <laughs> and kind of how he coached and Listen, everyone's involved in the same thing. So let's not make excuses on, on why we didn't shoot well or why this is not great. It is what it is. It's the pandemic. Uh, we understand. And it's not great on anyone. I mean, this has affected every single one of us in a, in a, in a bad way. Uh, so you try to make good of a bad situation. And I think um, for right now, having basketball the way it is, it's, it's not perfect. But at least you're seeing a product and at least, you know, the Jazz are out there playing um, I, I, that's always a good thing. Matt, as always, great to have you on, and we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on with us. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Matt Harpering, Jazz TV analyst. You see him on the broadcast, Bowler and Thurl and Lemon and all that, and it'll be the Jazz and the Pistons tonight, 8 o'clock. It's a late game, 8 o'clock tonight, pregame at 7 o'clock here on The Zone with uh, Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe, and then uh, David Locke and Ron Boone will be along with the call at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK, everything missed in this show, coming up next.